Hey, thanks for joining us for the Sing Podcast. Our guest today is Jessica Britt. Jessica has been a Diamond Approach teacher since 1985 and student of Hamid Ali's since 1977. She's a training director and leads ongoing groups in Europe, Canada, and the U.S. The Diamond Approach is a dynamic, evolving teaching originated by Hamid Ali, who writes under the pen name A.H. Almas and Karen Johnson. Diamond Approach leads to openness, freedom, and realization of the many dimensions of our human potential, especially the amazing secrets of our spiritual nature. There are no beliefs to accept or ideology to embrace. You simply need a sincere desire to know what is true about yourself. Combining time-honored spiritual practices with modern psychological understanding, Diamond Approach methods help the practitioner to skillfully penetrate obscurations to one's inner richness and luminous depth. As one engages the teaching and its practices, one's experience and life transform through many liberating awakenings, while personal embodiment comes to express the beauty, grandeur, and hidden potentials of who we really are. In the interest of full disclosure, I myself have been a student of the Diamond Approach since 2011, shortly after the time that I became involved with Bob Monroe's work in Hemisync. In the 1980s, Jessica Britt was on the Gestalt staff of Esalen Institute, creating an integration of Reikian and Gestalt work. While at Esalen, she was a student with the Native American traditions, leading wilderness journeys. Um, in addition, she studied continuum movement with Emily Conrad. Uh, starting as a nurse in the 1970s, she specialized in the field of childhood sexual and physical abuse. Jessica continues to practice from a view that includes the whole of the miracle of conscious life. Here's Jessica Britt. So Jessica, thanks for joining us. Um, to begin, maybe you could just talk a bit about the universality of trauma uh, and how it impacts us, uh, both in our personal lives and collectively. <laughs> so you're just opening up with the subject that could take hours to discuss. Yeah. Yeah. Right well, well, I think um, what I'm moved to say in this moment about it. I think it's important um, to recognize the universality of trauma because my, my specialty has really been working with individuals. And um, it, well, back in the 80s, I worked with uh, adolescents who were sexually and physically abused, actually in the 70s. And then that led to my working with adults with very personal physical and sexual abuse histories, mm. right? And I recognize that a lot of the very deep suffering of these, of the children, really, that were happening in people's homes were, for the children that then become the adults running the world, as horrifying as any of the, war trauma from within the child's view. Right? So to begin to recognize how much trauma there is on the planet, right? And, and a lot of people are now really speaking beautifully about ancestor trauma, universal trauma, the trauma of war, the trauma of hurricanes and having your house destroyed. 
the fires in California, that it raises deep questions, I think, for individual people who recognize their trauma from their personal lives, that if they can begin to see how universal it is, the individual person can begin to feel less alone. Mm. That's really important because a child in a house where there's a lot of abuse and trauma, and I'm at this point not speaking about medical trauma and all of that. Um, that's a whole other subject, mm-hmm. though can be very traumatic for sure. I don't want to minimize it. There's often a very deep feeling of isolation. There must be something wrong with me. It's only happening to me because children are so generous. They blame themselves. The children just do that, right? And so as these we become adults, and that's what's so important about the work you're doing to bring information forward and the work of Peter Levine and you know many, many people who are bringing forth the question of trauma, that it cuts through the sense of aloneness. Mm-hmm. Now, it raises other questions like, why is there so much trauma? What's going on in the universe? Right. Right. And so how do folks tend to show up in their lives um, in response to trauma? Because lots of folks that might be listening might not even realize that they're doing it, um, that, you know, their history of trauma is patterning how they're showing up and like, you know, how they perceive themselves. You're trying to, I don't want to get too psychological, yeah. you know. Um, but since this is, you know, the work that you are doing has such a strong spiritual orientation, right? I am going to speak from that perspective that our consciousness, when we are really liberated, has a sense of openness and freedom and a heartfulness and transparency to it. Right. If you, we think of a Thich Nhat Hanh or mm-hmm. Esmond Tutu or Dalai Lama, there's something about their graciousness. And these three men are really exemplars for me because they did experience universal war trauma and racial trauma. And yet somehow or other, they were able to establish and maintain their sense of basic goodness. Mm-hmm. Right? That's why they're exemplars. People individually, when they feel traumatized, it's natural for the child, and Peter Levine writes about this beautifully, that the living consciousness is so sensitive that when a force comes towards it that is oriented towards, that's hurtful, I'll just say it's hurtful because medical trauma is hurtful, but they're oriented towards the good. But a lot of children grow up in families where the force has aggression in it, mm-hmm. has shaming in it, has putting downness in it. The openness of the young soul is just going to withdraw and close. Mm-hmm. And that becomes the seed of what's universally known as the personality. And so we grow up and there's a defensiveness. There's a fear of openness. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a kind of on guardness. And some people 
anyway, there's all kinds of ways that that armed guardness manifests itself, but there's a lack of openness, really. Mm -hmm. And as part of that, would you say it's common for uh, the person who has experienced trauma to identify with it, to actually, you know? Absolutely, because the closeness, I mean, all spiritual practices are oriented towards allowing the individual consciousness to begin to know itself beyond its history. That's a well-established spiritual principle, right? To go beyond one's history and to feel one's true nature, one needs to have an ability for a certain openness, to move towards openness. If there's a trauma history, the orientation is going to be to stay closed, to stay safe. Mm -hmm. So even though you move towards spiritual work, there's going to be a hesitancy about opening up mm -hmm. and how to approach that. And then, like I said earlier, the, the young soul in us, the young part of us has a way of blaming ourselves. So oftentimes people you know, they look at their spiritual teacher and they go, well, they did it, but I'll never be able to do it. Yeah. I'm not worthy of doing it. Yeah. And there's all this self-doubt, a lack of trust, a lack of trust in oneself, uh, a lack of trust in others, a lack of trust in the universe. Mm -hmm. So part of my orientation, working with someone, is to... Well, there's a few things, but one thing is to begin to establish for the person the, the naturalness of their closed down state had a certain wisdom in it to protect themselves. Yeah. Right? And they don't need to judge themselves about that. Number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, to point out to the person a kind of inner wisdom. I haven't met one person who, even though they might blame themselves, don't recognize that something's off. Mm. Something's not right. Mm -hmm. They might end up saying something's not right about me, but there's a, I, I kind of call it the children who see the emperor has no clothes on. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people with a lot of trauma, even though they feel they're limited, they're defended, blah, 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 and all that kind of stuff, there's also often a kind of intuitive knowing that there's something else, which puts many people with trauma histories on a spiritual path. Yes. Right? So how does someone who is protecting and shut down because of trauma, who then maybe takes the step of um, realizing that there was good reason to be withdrawn, to be protecting, um, kind of make the transition to actually working with the root cause of the trauma and perhaps even moving through it. I, I would say, well, I'm, I'm going to make a, crude generalization mm. some people who have trauma 
their destiny is to just stay in the protected state and do the best they can. Some say, I'm going to do a corrective and I'm not going to treat my children that way, the way I was treated. So there's an inner guidance moving, you see. Mm -hmm. like, like, like there's a, I, I might blame myself, but I just know it's not right action to smash my kid on the side of the head with my fist, mm -hmm. to put it crudely. Mm -hmm. There are other people who are so traumatized that they make an inner pledge never to be touched again and to become powerful and to become the abuser mm -hmm. and a kind of hatred of anything small and vulnerable. So those are what perpetuates the trauma in the family, right? Then there's another smaller group of people who not only want to do a better job, let's say, raising their children or being kind, they go, there's got to be something else. I'm going to solve this. And there's a call, and we can't explain it. There's an inner call, you know, in our work, we call it the flame, yeah. to the truth. I'm going to get to the bottom of this. That flame, to get to the bottom of it, to, for liberation, truth, goodness, moves some people towards therapy, moves some people towards spiritual work, um, so, yeah, go ahead. Let's start with that first piece, just going to therapy. So lots of folks that are involved in spiritual work don't want to do that. Um, in fact, there's a meme going around right now where it's something along the lines of, you know, guys would rather, you know, talk about cryptocurrency than go to therapy. <laughs> guys would rather start a podcast than go to therapy. So, I don't play yeah. them. <laughs> right. And so why is that, do you think? I know. I mean, but first of all, not everybody's meant to go to therapy. Mm. And the other thing is that, especially since you focused on men, but women have their yeah. own reasons. To go into therapy is to be willing to move towards feeling oneself in a more authentic way. Mm-hmm which goes against the protective shield. So it's not easy to allow oneself to begin to feel what's been uh, compartmentalized away, to begin to feel vulnerable. I mean, that's, it basically comes down to not wanting to feel vulnerable, yeah. um, you know, for, every, for all of us. Now, one of the gifts of spiritual work, I think, in combination with therapy, which I, I'm totally aligned with, is that spiritual work, especially if you find a spiritual teaching that you really resonate with deep in your soul and you feel safe, mm -hmm. and you, there's a feeling of kindness and a feeling of respect and dignity in the practice. Mm -hmm. can begin to especially um one of the side things a lot of people with spiritual i mean excuse me i was going to say spiritual trauma that's a whole other subject but a lot of people with trauma histories sometimes easily have easily access to spiritual experiences mm -hmm. 
Very true. So, I mean, lots of the folks that listen to this podcast are, you know, avid out-of-body explorers or people that very badly want to have an out-of-body experience and might even hold it up as like the pinnacle of spiritual experience. Exactly. Of course. Uh, yes. Of course. Of course. We should talk about more in a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But it's so, so good. You can, I need your help to yeah. stay on, on point. We should talk about that. But in between those two points. Yeah. If one actually begins to feel something about reality, whether mm -hmm. it's out-of-body experiences, meditation practice, uh, a, a brilliant experience walking in nature, something touches you, um, that one begins to establish experiences of some kind of larger goodness can give the individual soul some courage to actually turn inward mm -hmm. and feel their own inner truth. So like practices of compassion, let's say in Buddhist practices of compassion, for example, can begin to help us recognize, oh, there is such a thing as loving kindness. Mm -hmm. And the more we feel that, and this is a paradox, some people actually their inner hurt places start surfacing because there actually is some goodness in the spiritual field. Mm -hmm. There is some goodness in their personal life and something deep inside begins to stir and go, Oh, 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 there's something else. I knew it. I knew it. I knew there was something else. And then, you know what I mean? And then, and then the, the dialogues can start between the history and spiritual reality, actually. Yeah. So just kind of connecting that hint of goodness back to your earlier point about not wanting to be vulnerable. You know, as someone who has often not wanted to be vulnerable and avoided therapy, um, there is a tremendous sense of goodness, I think, and finally realizing that you're vulnerable, right? Absolutely. Oh, that's beautifully said, Garrett. That's really beautifully said. Yeah. So I'm feeling my heart center mm. as you say that, right? Yeah. There is a kind of sweetness when one feels safe enough to feel vulnerable, mm. right? Because one begins to actually sense the truth of one's heart mm -hmm. and heart one is heart intrinsically wants to be open it's generous heartfulness yes. right heartfulness has a generosity to it um i also think there's a sense of basic aliveness that is not possible unless you're vulnerable to some degree Yes, right. So it's so good that you said that because I was feeling my heart. I started feeling my belly center and my ground. You know, the ground is support and our aliveness can start moving the more open we are. Mm -hmm. When we're closed down, not so much life can move through it. In fact, this is a whole big subject. When we're really closed down, and we want to feel life. 
some people do some very harsh, brutal things to break through the closed downness to actually feel something. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So that opens its that that opens up to all types of abuse, you know, abuse of others, abuse of the self, just to feel that aliveness. Just to feel that. Absolutely no question about it. I mean, I've studied it quite deeply personally and just working with others. And um, I can remember when I got that insight, it was some one of these Rambo m- movies, right? <laughs> no, I'm telling you. And I, yeah, and, and you know, the, the lead actor was, was like muscle bound and, I, and looked like marble, right? And the only way the the person who had captured him, you know, he was tied to a tree, was to whip him, right? And I just realized in that moment, oh, my God, to get through the marble, (laughs) right, of the the defensiveness, which brings up, you know, just tremendous sensitivity. So I think, you know, back to the question of therapy, I think it's very important for people who do feel called to become more liberated and less constrained and more alive and more open and, you know, more joyful and all of it, right? No. More touchable. Yeah. So what types of dissociation can happen um, if this type of material doesn't get worked with you know just kind of doubling back to the out-of-body example yeah let me see how i can say it simply right so we've got the open soul and we know that the consciousness gets conditioned Hmm. the soul is is touchable is and so the ego forms which is natural so within the field of the consciousness the ego forms and the young child starts identifying the young soul with, with the ego. You nose, your name is Jessica. You know, you know, you're given a shape. You go, oh, that must be me, right? Okay, then abuse starts happening. And the consciousness, the body, the soul, if I may use those words, the sense of self that's in the ego begins to pull away from the body and from the field of its larger consciousness and and floats around, still in the consciousness, Mm -hmm. but tells itself, as children are magical, tells itself it's not its body anymore. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm here. Now, one of the most incredible things Hamid ever said to me many years ago when I was actually working on this kind of material for myself. I mean, I'll leave for folks that don't. Oh, yes, thank you. Yes. Um, he said to me something like, where do you think you went? Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, so we explored. It was a black space, right? It was a black space. And I just began to recognize that where I was was still consciousness, but I was in a particular dimension of consciousness, mm-hmm. which f- didn't feel the pain of my somatic life, 
And I thought that was a spiritual experience. Mm -hmm. Here's the tricky part. The one that was having the spiritual experience was still little Jessica. Which was like an out-of-body experience, as you're describing. Yes, it was definitely an out-of-body experience. Yes. And uh, up above the body and the, mm -hmm. the whole nine yards. Yeah. But I was a little, I was identified as little Jessica mm -hmm. having this safe experience. I wasn't feeling myself as the field of the consciousness. Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah. I wasn't feeling myself as the oneness. I wasn't feeling myself as the black knight. I was, I was in it, but I wasn't it. Yeah. Right. So for me, my journey was to come bring my little eye back into the body, mm -hmm. digest my history. I've done a lot of therapy, a lot of, you know, I've been in the diamond approach for 40 years, a lot of work. And in digesting my history, a true openness started happening. Mm -hmm. So that the eye of my history began dissolving in a safe way into the true natural field of my consciousness. Compassion, love, depth. Yeah. On, right. Um, yeah. And what I want to add to it, the beautiful part is with each new realization of something real about my consciousness, the little one inside of me began to relax mm. and open up and slowly the outer form started dissolving and the inner nature naturally was one with the whole field that can you follow that right yeah so you're moving now into more of a non-dual type of experience yes yeah that's inclusive i call it radical non-dual mm -hmm. inclusive of my personal location and the cosmos all of it really being one unfolding reality that also has uni unique expressions. Like you and I are very different. Right. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting little tidbits in there. So, I mean, just, just to start, some of the people that I've met over the years who most naturally go out of body are folks that have had serious trauma in their lives. Um, but they don't necessarily view it as a peak spiritual experience, similar to what you were describing. You know, they're still very much encased in their egoic form as they're having the experience. But as they start to work with it, if they're able to process it, relax into it, then that starts to devolve, or it, that form starts to dissolve. And this entire other richness of experience opens up, which could include non-dual experience or you know, experiences of boundlessness or you know, black space or whatever else. Well, yeah, you said it beautifully. It's a good summary. Yeah. Um, yeah, and all the qualities of true nature, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the things I think I'll add here um, that is unique to the diamond approach, right, mm -hmm. is that in the process of metabolizing and inquiring into and living through one's history, 
in order to liberate it, mm. right? We have a very deep recognition that our ordinary emotions like grief, anger, hatred, longing, all those ordinary feelings, yeah. if we have space to allow them and not to act them out, but to really allow them, feel them, understand them, they transform and reveal their inner nature as different spiritual qualities. Mm -hmm. Like anger transforms into aliveness and true strength instead yeah. of the fake strength of anger, right? That we have, there's an alchemy, which is one of the main reasons we keep bringing people back to what are you experiencing now and opening up the individual location really as a portal yeah. to true nature, but also as an expression of true nature. Mm -hmm. So that's one of the things that has always fascinated me about diamond approach. Um, you know, for me, it's evocative of many of the archetypal and I think kind of symbolic, um, you know, items or figures that have been sort of made famous in myth, like the philosopher's stone or mm -hmm. alchemy. I mean, that's really kind of what you're talking about there. I mean, that's true alchemy. You're transmuting, you know, the afflictive emotion of anger, for instance, into, you know, true strength, vitality. Yeah, yes, I'm glad you brought, I mean, basically, I do consider myself a spiritual alchemist. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I want to give recognition that what we're talking about is um, is a great service mm. to be willing to alchemize one's history. Mm -hmm. Actually, what Hamid would say to become a true human. Right. Right. I mean, we're we as a species, the entire world right now is really kind of dealing with an individual, Vladimir Putin who clearly has not, you know, worked with his trauma <laughs> and is now inflicting it on the entire world. Um, it's, and so it's I really, think really true. Yeah. I, I looked at some childhood photographs of him. Yeah. Oh, I was so like, oh my God, he was so sad and dark. Yeah. Whatever his history is, I don't know really yeah. the details of it. And clearly he liked his marble body. Mm -hmm. Right, those those famous yeah. photographs, right? On the horse, you know, yeah, bare. Yes, bare. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so here we're back to the relevance of the individual trauma and the universal trauma, mm -hmm. right? Because so many of the um, humans that seem to manifest being abusers, traumatizers, have very challenging histories themselves mm -hmm. and they chose the path of hardness over the path of becoming more transparent mm -hmm. right? so that one of the important things about the ego that sigmund freud if i may bring his name into the space define the ego as ego defenses mm -hmm. that the personality is fundamentally a defensive structure. Mm -hmm. Within that structure, 
Some people feel a deep intuitive call to become liberated from the structure. And some people transgress, no, no, leap out of the structure into these spiritual states. And the history is sitting there. What's hard to recognize is the one who's gone into the out-of-body experience is still the one that's been defined by the structure. Yeah. Right? That, that's important. So I think a lot of folks that are into out-of-body experience and kind of view it as like the apex of spiritual experience skip a lot of these steps. Um, and you have a term for that, right? You, What do you call it? Spiritual, spiritual bypass. Oh, spiritual bypassing. Yeah, right. Yeah. Now, one of the things I've really come to recognize... Uh, is that for some people, that is their karma, that that is their destiny, that is their potential, is to even, to actually have the capacity to travel mm-hmm. different realms. Um, right? I'm just one of these people that decided to travel the different realms in, in, uh, <laughs> I just remember, I'll, I will share this. I, I Very long time ago, in an early session with Hamid, uh, um, we do Reiki and breath work as a part of our work. Right? So I was lying on the mat, and I f- felt this incredible, bright, luminous light. And I can remember in the session, and this is why I was still young and dumb. I really didn't know what I was saying. But what I said was, I actually turned to the light and I said, no, I, that's where I come from. Not now. I need to find out about here, about my body. I've come here, oh, it moves me to say it, to do this part of the journey. And what I've discovered by going in, by going into the cells of the body, going into the contractions, what actually enters into the soul, and then the soul begins to know its true nature from inside out, mm-hmm. and discovers that that light that I said no to, you know, I, right? was already in here. Mm-hmm. You know, and so it ends the division. Right? Yeah, that's important too, because I think a lot of people view the body as, um, you know, something less than spiritual, as mm-hmm. something limiting, um, when it's actually part of soul, you know, within Diamond Approach, body is part of soul. Yes. Organism. I like the phrase somatic soul mm-hmm. or soul soma. So one of the things, um, it's a lot of information, but one of the things is the body as we usually experience is a body we feeling through the tensions, through the defenses, mm. yeah. sharp edges. Yeah. The body is made of being and can be experienced as totally transparent and totally one with true nature, no separation. Mm. And, and, you know, as Hamid beautifully likes to say, the body is how the absolute can walk. 
That's beautiful. Yeah. yeah, it's very, you know, how the absolute can personally love. Mm -hmm. How the abs, right? So that the body of being or the body being can really be realized and known as one reality. In fact, it's kind of what we're trying to, where, you know, the diamond approach, we're doing these series on the body and being. Yeah, let's talk about that. Right. Well, what we're hoping to communicate, my colleague Linda Creer and uh, Ann Laney and myself in a series of weekend uh, workshops, I guess, opening conversations, I'll call them, mm -hmm. is to really begin to explore the inseparability of body and being. To, in a certain way, reown the basic goodness of our flesh as an expression of the divine or as the expression of, you know, it's like being able to say reality did not make a mistake mm -hmm. creating a body. In a certain way, you could say humanity has barely begun to fulfill its potential as a living physical human being, being of humanness, And, you know, one of the causes of much of the abuse and trauma on the planet is how many religious systems do not honor the body as being, particularly notably in the West. Mm -hmm. The yes. body is shamed. It's the source of sin the source of sin. I mean, I grew up Catholic, so I had to spend decades contemplating the crucifixion and where all that's about. That's a whole other topic, right? Um, versus the beauty of the body of being. You know, why, why do we love newborn babies? Right? Well, many of us do. <laughs> that's yeah, fantastic. That transparency is so there, right? That yumminess is so there. Um, it's easy. Yes, it's easy to hurt a physical person if you don't honor the person as a living being. Mm -hmm. right? To uh, the whole climate change thing is not recognizing the earth as a living being. Our inseparability with the earth as living being. Um, mm -hmm. So I actually, I just really, you know, I really consider um, my orientation and my work as a kind of a sacred mission, yeah. you know, uh, that the body is a light body, mm -hmm. right? Um, and not a mistake. And probably one of the most satisfying things that I specifically experience when working with someone with a, uh, a deep trauma history where they've lost trust in themselves, they blame themselves, you know, all the things, mm -hmm. is when an individual person can begin to feel their own basic goodness, their own purity of consciousness of soul, and recognize it's never been damaged. Mm -hmm. That is such a moment, you see. Yes. 
<laughs> that is very beautifully put. So if you're listening to this or watching this and this is resonating with you, you want to do more of this work, um, working with trauma, working with somatic sensing, um, please do check out the Diamond Approach uh, Trauma and Spirituality Workshop. Uh, the dates are March 19th to 20th, right? Mm-hmm. It's uh, workshop number two, I believe, in a five-part series called Spiritual Wisdom of the Body. Um, you can sign up on, is it, is it diamondapproach.org? Actually, I think it's Diamond Approach Online. Diamond Approach Online. Great. Well, we will link to it in the show notes and in the description. Um, so please do check that out. So Jessica Britt, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. You barely contained me. <laughs> you did a good job. You did a good job. Thanks so much. You're welcome, dear. All right, everyone. See you next time. Thanks.